ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Dave Stevens, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you, brother? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Hey, thanks for taking some time with us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was looking forward to it. Um, spent the weekend in California and seeing the obnoxious gas prices that was uncontrollable, out of control, <laughs> ridiculous. And I don't understand how you people live in that state. <laughs> so, you know. Don't get me started. We could we, we have so many more cruel things to talk about than right, 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 right. You know, so. But, hey, uh, I got a question for you. You you started out here on the West Coast years back, yeah, and then you went east. Um, what got you started out here on the West Coast? Um, well, my dad, my dad moved out here in '93. And I mean, it's going to put us back a while, but uh, he moved back out here in 93. And uh, he, uh, my wife and my wife and I, my fiance at the time, Stephanie, um, we came out here in 96 and we just fell in love with it. We fell in love with the, the environment, you know. I mean, the heat was a little much, much to take, but. For the most part, we just love the landscape, everything, California, Utah, you know, it's just this, where you grow up in Pennsylvania, you just grow, you grow up with green rolling hills and this was more rugged and I was, and I wanted, I always said when we had kids that we wanted to raise the kids and introduce them to different culture and stuff like that. So we moved out here in 96 and, uh, we, my dad and I started a restaurant and uh, that was successful. And but we, as a lot of relationships and family businesses, you know, it just kind of went awry. Dad had one direction and I was wanting to go in a different direction. So we parted ways and uh, my wife then got homesick and it was things. So we moved back to Pennsylvania right after Jacob was born. She was actually pregnant with our daughter. 
Emily when we moved back. And uh, we lived at home. And I hadn't talked to my dad for a few years because it was a pretty messy divorce from the partnership. And my dad got, uh, my dad got, we got back together in 2006. And, you know, we made amends and things like that. And then uh, in 2009, he passed away. And uh, he left us. I had horses and two acres of land, and the kids were like, "Oh, Dad, let's go back out there. We could ride our ATVs. We could do this. We could do that." I mean, it was just because Pennsylvania was really—you you, got to go on the state lands and you got to travel to do it if you want to ride and stuff. We were just into it recreationally and stuff like that, so. We moved the back out there, and then in 2013 or 12, Jacob was running national. Or what, we went to Loretta Lynn's in 2012, and that's where we started our national run. And he just fell in love with it. And Steph's dad took ill, and he got cancer, bladder cancer, which was a brutal way to watch a human being die. But we 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 can't. We decided to move the whole outfit back east, and we actually did not even have JSR Moto designs at the time. Um, so we uh, moved it back east, and we were just screwing around. With Jacob, you know, was going through nets like they're going out of style, and I was tired of getting a run around and piecing them together with rivets and duct tape and whatever we came good. So I came up, me and my wife sat down and we came up with a design and and we met Joel and Chad and we started doing testing with them. And that's when JSR was born, actually in late 2014. We actually became a company in 2015. And uh, <clears throat> my kids had stayed, my older two kids, uh, stayed out here when we moved back for Steph's dad and for Jacob to run nationals. And my, uh, my youngest daughter and Jacob went with us and it just got to the point where they have, I have five grandchildren now and we, my Jacob, we were, I mean, he wasn't tired of running the nationals, but running the nationals is a full-time job on top of a full-time job. You know, and you're you're living in a suitcase and we're running like crazy and affordability and the travel and everything else. So, but long story short, I miss my kids and my, my wife was missing the grandkids growing up and we're like, well, and Jacob wanted to be around his nephews and nieces. And so we just carted everything across the country last September and here we are, but I ain't going nowhere. I'm done. I'm not moving. That that 2,500 miles is is behind me, and it's not going. I'm not putting it in front of me ever again. You know that was that was a thirty-seven thousand dollar. Just wow! Like it, it has time changed. The first time I moved out here, I think it cost us like six thousand bucks. It ain't like that no more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> two trucks and. You know, a Jacob's truck and a trailer, and uh, it was just it was just chaos. But it is what it is. We're here. We're set up. We're moving along, and 
You know, we have a full printing in here now. We do t-shirt printing and all that stuff we've introduced since we moved out here. So it's going pretty well, you know, and still having the growing pains as every business has, but uh, we're getting there, you know, and he's been doing okay in works, you know. Um, it's a love-hate relationship at this point, you know, and I'm sure you've been around works long enough to know that feeling. You know, and uh, but that's where we're at. And that's that brings me to the question when you were in Pennsylvania um, and you didn't have JSR design, what did you do? Um, I actually, uh, we when before that, I owned a nightclub and well, from 2003 to um. 2007, I owned one of the largest nightclubs on the East Coast. And I, uh, when I was younger, in my younger days before, I, after I had gotten out of the Air Force, I toured with national acts all over the, all over the world. And, uh, I got into the music and all that stuff. And I ended up in 2003, I got approached to buy one nightclub and then, there was another nightclub down the road and I ended up buying that one. But the owner of that club basically financed me for it because he just saw the potential and the growth of the business. And so I kind of went in on it with him. And in 2006, we saw the the economy starting to tank and all that. So we just, we just failed. We sold that. We sold it. We ran with the money and, then I went back to, I actually didn't work for a couple, I mean, I worked, but I didn't work, you know, for a couple of years. Uh, we, were, we were okay financially and stuff. And then I managed uh, a lighting company for, for about a year uh, back east and did that. And I was like, eh, I was tired of that. And then honestly, uh, in 2006, Six. I was. I think it was six. Jacob burned our house down in the ground. That uh, that put me. That's why I went back to the lighting company and I managed that for for about a year and a year and a half. And uh, that that was an undertaking uh, to say the least. We lost every single thing we ever had, and uh, was what it was. And uh, and then my dad passed in. 2009 and I came out here and I did horse actually I, when I was younger I, we always had horses and stuff so I knew how to horseshoe so I did that while we were out here and we got Jacob started racing so I, I was horseshoeing by day and running fixing quads and putting quads together at night for him to race and we ran the Yamaha Quad X series out here in 2011 and 12 and uh, and part part works. Our first race ever was a works race, which was the most miserable experience of my life. Uh, we were up in Tahia, if I'm pronouncing it properly, Tahia Hills up in Anza, and uh, Jacob was just a little little thing at eleven eleven years old, weighed about seventy five pounds, and uh, we. Uh, it was nice and 80 degrees, and nobody told me about 
5,000 or 6,000 feet above sea level was a pretty nippy at night. And we got four inches of snow that night and we were sleeping in the back of a pickup truck on an air mattress. And we woke up covered in snow. So my first experience racing with works was miserable to say the least. But, uh, but yeah, that's how it all started. You know, these are the stories we tell our grandchildren. I was like, you know, Jacob still remembers that. He goes, Man, I was never cold. I mean, I had him wrapped around me and, you know, trying to keep him warm. And, oh, it was horrible, you know, but it was a good thing. But he actually raced the 11 and 12 in the aquatic series, and that's. We won five championships in two years, and I was just like, oh, oh no, four championships and second runner-up and another one, and I was like, oh, great, this kid's got something, and we went back east and we won the two national championships, and we've been chasing them ever since, and that's racing, you know? What do you think the big difference is between the motocross series and the, and the off-road series on the West are? Oh, stamina, the, uh, it's a lot. I, I've talked to a bunch of people back East already about this. And I know we've talked about it from time to time and stuff. And it's just, it's brutal. It's probably one of the most brutal racing. I mean, at the pro level, I mean, maybe at the amateur level where they're doing 45, 50 minutes, they're not running the bikes wide open. They're not doing that. But at a pro level, this is, you know, as Joel, I, I heard Joel's podcast. He admitted, like, this is, this ain't no joke. This is real, like, hardcore endurance, like, Ironman racing, you know, because it beats you up. And, but the motocross, that's just uh it's fast and it's just a sprint and they they just it's hold on to everything you got and give everything you got for twenty minutes or twenty two minutes in your life and hope you survive you know and this it's ninety minutes and still got to give everything you got and, and you know hope the machine survives as much as the body survived you know i mean we didn't worry. I mean, we didn't back east. It was, you know, we always worried about the motor, but that was like, it was more mental and physical than it was motor wise because we knew the motors were built to do exactly that, you know. And we've been with Duncan Racing now for over, for almost a year now, and we have no problems with it, but that's the biggest thing that. You know, we've had that conversation. It's the motors are, are the, the hardest thing. There are in the work series, the motors take the most abuse. And that's, that's the, that's the reality of it. And that's the hardest thing to, to get through to people is that you need a motor that's going to last and you need a motor that's powerful enough to hang with Bo and all those guys. And there you needed just raw. Horsepower, 60 plus horsepower, you know, balls out racing, you know, get everything you can, every ounce of power out of that machine and just pray that 20 minutes is enough, you know, and that's it. 
that's that's racing you know and but here it's way different you know and it's like i said earlier it's a love-hate relationship you know and it's i love it because of the fact is i i get to see my kid and i get to see other people do stuff that you know honestly there's not many people on the planet that can do it you know and that's that's the crazy part of it you know and and it's the same as motocross that way. There's not many people in the planet that can go to that pro level that can hang with those guys, you know? And, but Bo is Travis, all those guys. I mean, those, those, they're, they're beasts. I mean, that, the, Travis Damon is probably one of the biggest beasts in Bo, Baron. I mean, those guys just, just go. I mean, I, I don't know how to understand how Travis and Bo can just go from a bike to a quad and a UTV or whatever and just do it, you know? And that's the Jacob's like total respect for these guys out here, you know? And uh, that's the biggest thing that he's trying to bring. Like Wesley Wolf's going to come out this fall, I think, and race. I, I mentioned it to Chad, you know, I'm trying to. Swindle him to coming out and trying to race it again. He raced it way back in the day. He said he wouldn't mind coming out and trying another round and stuff like that. So we'll see. It's great to have those guys come out and, and, and throw their hat in the ring and see what it's like. Yeah. The last time I we were racing at uh, I-395 um, and the, Chad was riding for the Kawasaki guys then. And I'm talking to Jimmy White and we were having a conversation during the race. And uh, I was working with Eichner at the time and uh, Doug, we had just started a new platform with a new, the, the 06 up Honda and we'd only raced it one time. Right. Uh, we were, we were struggling a bit and um, Jimmy just like stops the conversation and he's walking away. And I'm like, Hey dude, you guys are killing it. Where, where, where are you going? Oh, they're done. Go, what do you mean they're done? And he goes, oh, boom, boom. And they both just pulled it aside and it's over. Yeah. And he just goes, yeah, those motors only go about 38 minutes. It's 38 yeah. minutes. Yep. And that's where that was, which was impressive about the Joel's run. I mean, we had already, the weird thing was Jacob's first pro race we actually did with a works motor, and that was a that was a back in Briarcliff. So compared to what he was used to, he was way underpowered going into that because those motors are just stretched, you know, as well as I do. I mean, they just stretch those things as thin as they possibly can. They're just basically gas cans with a motor underneath it, you know, and. Um, and but he made it work, you know. He did his lap times were good. I mean, and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I was with Joel. Yeah. When Gary was there and stuff like that with Joel, and he's like, "God, it's only an hour because I don't know if an hour, <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't know if it's gonna make it an hour and a half, you know, because that motor, but it it held through. He he held it together. Yeah, when I think it went an hour and thirteen minutes. Yep. Yeah, you know, and he was just, and they were, he thought it was going to be okay. He's like, you know, he said, it's definitely got my fingers crossed. But yeah, that was a full, 
blowing out MX race motor because that's all they ever had. They never really set it up for now. Grayson's bike, I don't I don't know if that was probably set up for more GNCC. I don't think that was an MX bike that Grayson was using. I think that was his GNCC bike. So that was probably more suited for works racing than what Joel's bike would have been. But they made it work. I mean the kid kid kicked ass. I mean that's for sure. And he can he's just unbelievable. You know, Joel is Joel is He's a phenomenal rider. No doubt. Him and Chad are the best quad riders in the world. There's no, I can't even second to none. And they're going to go down in history as the best ever. And I, I don't see anybody. I mean, I mean, I remember Eichner and Nelson and all those, but these guys are doing stuff with quads that is just unimaginable. You know, I mean, the speeds and the, 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 uh, um, there's nobody touching them. You know, I mean, Joel won by how many seconds just last weekend? You know, I mean, I mean he, he just, when he checks out, it's over. You know, and he just rides at a different, it's like when he puts that helmet on, it's a switch and he, he knows nothing, sees nothing, hears nothing but racing. And that's a uncanny thing to have in your, your, your pocket, you know, and Chad's the same way. You think that the, even though we're only two races in that, that it's setting the tone for Joel's third title. I would say as from what I have seen so far, um, there are some people that have stepped up on the plate, but yes, I honestly believe that Joel is setting himself up for a third you know, his third championship. And, uh, but Chad is a calculated guy. I mean, he's, he's had some uncanny luck, you know, bad luck because that's not him. I mean, for him to make a mistake and, uh, blow a berm. You know, that's what I, I wasn't there, so I couldn't see it, but that's what I've heard from people that have told me and from what people, even we watched it as best we could up in Taft live, you know, but, uh, we really couldn't see the track on a four inch screen on your phone, you know, so, um, but I guess he blew a berm and that's, that's an unusual gift from Chad because he, he's very, methodical he just doesn't make those kind of mistakes and uh it cost him i mean it cost him he got third i mean that was good i mean he's but you know he's i've never seen it the fact is is i mean that daytona was the first the second time in eight or nine years that he wasn't on the podium That's crazy. That's insane. Was that Joel's first time winning Daytona? I think Joel. He's won it one other. It time. might have. He might have won it one other time, but I don't know because that is Daytona. It was always Joel's Achilles heel. Like Daytona is Jacob's Achilles heel. Jacob every time races Jacob races Daytona either breaks. Or he 
ends up in the hospital, which that was the last time he did. And that was pretty brutal. He shattered his whole left rib cage, and uh, Joel blew out his knee there uh, one year. And then last year, he got tangled up with the with the with another rider. Um, yeah, with a with a huge um, lead. With a huge lead, and that was call that a mistake, whatever. But that's just the way Joel rides. There's, they, I, I don't call it a mistake. I mean, uh, he he just doesn't. He's he's wide open from the moment that green flag drops to the checkered flag. He he doesn't let. There's no post. There's no idle time in his in his brain. He's just got to go go go. So some people call it a mistake. I that's Joel. That's how he races. He he just races wide open and he doesn't. Doesn't stop for nothing. And I mean, the other kid was a rookie that hit him or that got in, got into him, you know, and he could have cross jumped a little bit. I wasn't there, so I can't speculate. Michael's a good guy. And I know you guys talked about a little bit. It was a racing incident. It happened. He took him out. It, you know, he, he got banged up pretty good. Ended up going to the hospital for a little bit. Wasn't, you know, anything major and he was able to race a few weeks later so but it's things like that i mean joel if if joel has a perfect season i don't see anybody beating him i mean as much as i love chad and and i i I respect his championships if joel has a consistent solid season no one beat him and he's not gonna let anybody beat him he's just gonna go out he's gonna win every single moto and that's his goal. His goal is to win every single. Mo- it's everybody's goal, really. But Joel, Joel's Joel does not like settling for second place. He he wants to be first, and I, and so does Chad. And that's why they battle the way they do. They're both hungry for it, and it just depends on who's hungrier at that point. And right now, it seems like Joel's Joel's got it. You know, and Chad's got it too. His speed was there. You watch the times, you know, everybody watches the times. I mean, Chad was right there, same lap times. They were within three one hundredths of a second. That, that's crazy. I think they're running a motocross track and they're literally three one hundredths of a second difference between the two of them. I like both guys. I've had deep conversations with both of them and um, off record and uh, I'm not going to put my eggs in any basket. It's too early in the season because you can see, you can see that the seasoning in Chad will take over and he will regroup and come back a different guy Absolutely, And, and there'll be no mistakes and he'll be calculated and, and he'll use his, his surgical knife to, to cut his way through. Yep. Um, and then that's when Joel will have to rely on his talents and his skills and, and, and fall back on his um, time, you know, at the top and, and his knowledge to, to, to keep him going the direction he needs to. And, and there will be a changing of the guards. Is it this year? Is it next year? I'm not sure. I mean, 
Chad, I, I, th- I think I saw in the offseason. I mean, I know he posted a thing in the offseason. Um, I think he did sign through 2024 with Yamaha, uh, which is good, which means he's going to be here for a couple more years. Uh, I know he's getting up there in age, but in his shape, and he's still at the top of his game. And I, I, I think he's 36 or 37 now, and but he's still literally at the top of his game. He's not – he ain't going nowhere, you know, and he is – he's a champion, and he knows how to be a champion, and they both do. And like I said, I, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm not putting any – I'm not betting on either one of them. I'm not putting my – any numbers up in Vegas yet, <laughs> you know. Uh, any odds, you know? I will tell you this. I believe that there's one of those group, one of the group behind them yeah. is going to put themselves on the top of the box this year. Yeah. I really, I just have this feeling that there's going to be a new face on the top of that box. And it's, it's definitely, I, I felt bad for Brandon Hogue in Daytona. That was horrible. I knew when he started smoking, I knew it was just a matter of time. Um, you can see, I thought it was the head gasket, to be honest with you, when it went. I didn't think it was just, uh, it was uh, the antifreeze, what happened, or what, the, the, the mount, and there was a whole bunch of garbage about, you know, it should have been welded, should have been what, and this, that, another thing. Who can? I mean, honestly, you, Johnny Hale is a great mechanic, and he's never seen that happen before. I mean, he's had, I mean, freak, freaks of nature happen. I mean, the conditions were horrible. You know, the mud was horrible. Who knows if weight got involved in it? You know, whatever. You know what? You can be the greatest of the greatest, yeah. but if you don't have luck on your side, sometimes it ain't going to happen. That's right. That's right, you know, and I mean, it sucked for Brandon. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, that would I. Some people say that Joel would have got around him in the, but two laps to race in a or two laps to go in a Supercross race. It was a fast lap time. They were running a minute. There wasn't any place to pass, from what I understood. Um, I don't chat found away. But I think that Joel knew that it was a long season and that his past dealings with Daytona. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he, he was he definitely was, thinking there. Yeah. He was thinking because he did not want a nightmare scenario where he gets tangled up. Yeah. You know, and and he wasn't close enough in the in the last few laps to make that pass. Yeah. Um, he was definitely faster in a couple areas. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. But being faster doesn't mean that you're going to make the pass because there was no clean line for yeah. him to take. No. He was definitely faster in the, the, the back end of the, the lot, like towards where like the, the finish line would be and going across in the beginning of the lap area if you're going from the finish line, start to finish line. Uh, Joel was definitely faster there. Um, he was catching Brandon in a lot of places. I did watch the video. I did watch it, you know, live. 
Um, Racer TV did it, and but Brandon was able to pull away from his other spots. So, like I said, my heart broke for the kid because that would have been other than Thomas Brown. Honestly, I think that would have been the first person to ever be on the top of the box in the last 10 years. Yep. Which is crazy. And yeah. And the first guy ever, or in the last 10 years at least, that have been on the top of the box. I think John Natale was the last dude that would have been on the top of the box. Other than Joel Chat. Since then, he's always never been on top. He's, one, he's been second and third. Uh, Thomas Brown was on top of the box at Red Bud and a couple other places. But that was it. That's the only... He would have been the first one, I think, since 2012. And and that it's coming. Yeah. It's it's coming. It, it, as great as those two guys are, you yeah. can't hold that back that long. Well, Bryce Ford, you know, there's another another kid, you know, phenomenal talent. I mean, great kid, you know, super talented, and uh, he's got every tool you can ma- imagine to be a champion. I mean, he's got the he's got the facility, he's got his own track, he can practice whenever he wants. You know, he has access to state of the art equipment all the time. And, uh, but he second place. I was, I was real happy for him in, in Texas. He got second. I mean, that is his home state. And his, he, led, his, he led for a while too, didn't he? He did. He led the first half of the, the, uh, the first half of the first moto. He did real well and he held Joel off for a while and then Joel got around him. Um, but he's still young. He's, he's only, uh, I think Bryce is only, be, I think he's only going to be 20 years old this year. You know, I, I think in yeah, May, he's 20. And, uh, wow, he's a baby. He's a baby, yeah. I mean, Bryce, Bryce is, is young. I mean, uh, and, but if, once that kid figures it out, he's going to win. There ain't, no, there, there ain't no ands, ifs, or buts about it. He's going to, he's, he's inched his way. He, in two years, he's been on the podium a few times, and I think he finished third overall last year for a 19-year-old kid. That's pretty good. The last time that somebody did that was Dustin Wimmer, you know, and Dustin did it in 2010. I think he was 2010 or 11. I think he was only 19 or maybe 20 years old, you know. He won a national championship, pro national championship. I think he was the youngest guy ever to do it. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, Bryce Ford, Max Lankwitz. Yeah, I'd have to go back and do a little research because he yeah. was young. Jeremiah Jones was young. Yeah. Jeremiah, Jeremiah Jones was really young. Jeremiah Jones went from the B class to the pro class. Right. Now, that man was just, you know, it was unfortunate what happened to him and it, it ended his career. And, but, I just talked to uh, Jeremiah last week, actually, um, before he went to Texas. Because he he sent us uh, some hints uh, and springs, and uh, that man. Oh, I never got to see him race. 
I mean, he he was long before he he ended long before I came into it. Actually, that was the weird thing. I think was going back to Pleasure Valley because I think that's where the accident actually happened. But from what I understand, these guys don't hold a candle to him. Not even. He was stupid fast. Like stupid, like crazy fast. If he would have slowed down a little bit, he probably would have been undefeated for multiple years. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, but there's another kid that, you know, that kind of, they just did a, a, a big thing about him. And he's been, 2012 was his last year, was Cody Gibson. That kid, there was another kid that just let it go. He just, he got, you know, he just faded away. And, uh, but he was he was another one that that was the first <laughs> that was that was our Loretta Lynn story was we pulled in there like Davy Hagsmus was going to go with us and they actually sponsored Jacob the the uh, Hogsmas, uh sponsored Jacob to go to Loretta's and uh, we were going to take Davy's bike out there and all that and something happened with their family or something that they couldn't go. But we, me and Jacob made the trek there and, uh, we got there and we had just got, we pulled in for practice. Jacob was like practice number seven or eight. And that was a whole learning experience because we had the difference of the West coast to the East coast and how they, you know, sign up and do all these things. So I'm like, I was, I was taking notes, like, what, what do I do? What class do I even sign them up for? Because here they have, like, 250 air-cooled. There they have 300 mod and, you know, all these different classes. And I was like, I don't know what to say. I've been asking people what to sign them up in. And so Jacobs walks over to the fence, and Cody Gibson was racing Pro-Am, and he said they announced, like, the pro, Pro-Am or the – the open A class, which was the Pro-Am and all that, was practicing next. Well, this kid comes around the corner, and he is just wide open. And, I mean, he's going through the trees, and he you can just tell he's fourth gear tap, not even just squeezing that throttle as all he could and didn't lift one time. And Jacob turned around, and he was like, I'm good. And he threw up right there on the spot. He literally <laughs> threw up. He was like, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen on a quad yet, you know, and 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 I, that's the that's the difference between the West Coast and the East Coast is those guys have speed that is uncanny, and that you know, and it was on a motocross track. The dirt's different, the everything's different than out on the West Coast. And now Jacobs, the weird thing is, is now Jacobs trying to relearn how to use different dirt because he's so used to tacky and you know smeary dirt and thing and now he's like well i'm not even getting i'm getting these square edged ruts and all these different things and he's not used to that like so it's definitely a relearning of of what we experienced before and but yeah you're you're right there is max linquist is another kid that can can shine uh who else? I mean, Wesley Wolf. He's another. He's he's going to be making his comeback here uh, next week. He's going to race Aonia Pass. He, he he was out. He's he's another one that's a podium contender. I thought he was. I didn't think he was going to be back at all this year. 
Well, you you know, you, I mean, you from knowing Jacob, Jacob and Wesley are, are best friends, and uh, he's actually out here right now. Wesley is. He's he's up uh, north right today. He's coming here tomorrow, and uh, him and his fiance are out here, and they uh, he didn't tell anybody. The only people who knew about it was Jacob and the mechanic. The guy who is his head mechanic, and I got a I got a text message in Taft uh, Saturday. Can we make nets for Wesley for Aonia? You know, so Steph put them together, and we're we're sending them out tomorrow. But uh, but yeah, he he nobody knew about it, and he just I guess he decided a month ago or a month and a half ago that. Going racing, you know, and he's his doctor gave him his release, and he's been on the bike for four weeks and on the down low, and you know I know this is going to air afterwards, but uh, after that, so I'm not really spoiling the pooch, you know, on the surprise, but you know, he's uh, he uh, he's, really pissed you off. I aired it tomorrow, huh? Yeah, I mean, it might piss Wesley off. It won't piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I well, mean, I haven't got to meet Wesley yet, so I'm safe. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been kind of, you know, Wesley's a, he's a great kid. He's like, he's like my own. I mean, he, he, he we love him to death. He's, him and Jacob are literally like two peas in a pod. And uh, Wesley has, is the most brutally honest human being you'll ever, ever have a chance to talk to. He will tell you he, he has no filter. It's all, I'm giving it to you exactly the way I'm going to give it to you. And there's, that's just the way he is. And that's not, and I respect him for it. I mean, he does not beat around the bush. He's just right to you, right to the point and gets it done, you know? And, but he's, he, I don't, I mean, obviously he's, he's going to struggle for a few rounds. You know, we all know that. I mean, I would say he's going to be a, He's definitely going to be a top 10 rider, but I would say by the end of the year, we'll definitely see him in the, on the podium again. And uh, he's another one coming back. Uh, Zach Decker has a possibility of getting on the podium. Um, do, you, do you think Wesley's going to go back to running double duty again? I don't think this year. I think he's going to focus on motocross. Um, that's a better question for Jacob. Jacob knows more than I do. Um, I know that he's coming out here in September. Uh, that's what the plan is, that he's going to come out and he's going to race. He's, I don't know about Idaho, but I know he's definitely going to be at Mesquite and he's going to drive his truck out because I think Idaho is like September. I think it's September 11th. So he may, I don't know. He's, all I know is that he was bringing his truck out here. He's bringing it, he's right, driving his truck, his pickup truck out here and his, uh, his quad. And I think he's going to just, he's going to leave it with us and he's, he's going to leave the truck and everything here and he's going to fly in to do either all three or just Mystique and Prep. But that's his plan at this point. But I don't think 
I don't think he's going to do GNCC. I don't think he's going to risk the uh, the potential of injuring himself again. I think he wants to focus just on MX and uh, stay off the stay away from the trees, so to speak. So, and uh, that's why Jacob never ran uh, GNCC. He he rode with Wesley a few times at the Fords. And they made like a woods loop and Jacob brought his bike around the trees more than he made it through the woods. So, you know, those trees don't move. You know, so, oh, no. So, Is that how Wesley got hurt was on a GNTC? Uh, Wesley got hurt. Uh, that was another uncanny freak thing that happened that was completely out of anybody's control. But it was at Loretta's. And uh, the um, uh, it was at Loretta's, and he was coming across. Um, my wife just texted me and said that's a secret, but she doesn't realize this isn't going to air for five weeks, so it's no big secret. <laughs> so there, Steph, and she's over here in the kitchen texting me here. You're going to talk about it. It's a secret. It's not a secret. It's, it's a, it'll be a secret after. It's, yeah, it's, already, it's secret. already going to happen. It's already going to yeah. happen. Right. It's already going to happen. It already would have happened already. So it's no big secret. Um, but uh, where was I before she distracted me? Loretta Lenz. Yeah, Loretta Lenz. He was coming across the finish. So the finish line comes up. You know, you're kind of coming up a little bit of an incline, a little hill. And there's the finish line, and that's in front of the announcing booth and stuff like that. There's a little tabletop. Well, when he went off the tabletop, the motor cut out. And just endo, you know, you know as well, when the motor goes away, the, the whole bike just goes limp. And uh, he went over to handlebars, and uh, Jacob's, Jacob was the first person to him on the track. Jacob was standing right there. It was during the... Uh, First, first or second qualifier, I can't remember what, but uh, Jacob ran out and his his arm was jacked. But the what happened was the spark plug cap literally exploded, like it just literally blew apart. I don't know if it was a short or something. I nobody ever saw it happen like that before. But it's just separated the the spark plug wire from the spark plug, turned the motor off. Mm. And that was, and it did it the moment he took off, and it was just, it was the freakiest thing. And uh, but he did, uh, I know that he did his, he he did the therapy, he, he got the operations that he needed, um, and he went through surgery in. Can't remember if he went. He had surgery in Tennessee, or if he ended up going up back home up in Maryland and had surgery up there. But then he had there was something that happened in December that they found that something wasn't connecting correctly or whatever. So they had to do more surgery at the end of December, which set him back because he was planning on actually hope. Well, his hopes were to race. Daytona, but um, it just wasn't in the cards, and then he had to have that second surgery, and it just messed him up. But yeah, he uh, 
he had a he had a t- he had a shitty break. I mean, there's no other. I mean, he he had this he had a shitty break, and that's just the honest to god truth. And uh, well, he's his reputation is is he is just a, a tough guy. Oh, tougher than it. It was it was in but Jacob had it was funny because you know they've been really close friends for such a long time, and in 2018. There was a quad. Well, there was, I wouldn't say it was a quad. There were rollers and they were doubling them or tripling them and stuff. Well, Wesley decided that, well, I'm going to try to quad it. Well, obviously he didn't make it because he ended up being right next to Jacob in the hospital, you know. And, uh, but he was able to leave where Jacob spent six days in intensive care um in from daytona but yeah he he, uh he went back and he actually raced the main that day crazy you know and uh he he is he's a tough he's a tough kid and i have a lot of respect for him and i mean he 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 just that's that but that's their mentality that's that's their biggest. That's the one thing I could say about all motocross guys. They, regardless of the pain, they love it so much that they'll do it in agony. You know, I mean, honestly, Jacob, Jacob, when he wrecked, he shattered his rib cage, his left side. You could literally see the outline of his chest protector in the X-rays, where the, where it would go in and out um he fractured between his neck and his back i think there was like 13 vertebrae that were stress fractured out uh lacerated his liver could barely i mean he couldn't breathe for weeks and he went to texas three weeks later and got second place in pro and in a lot of pain you know, no pro sport. It was pro sport. It wasn't pro. And uh, he, it's it, it definitely mentally scarred him. Um, and he, he put a lot of work into it. And they all do. They all they all work their butts off for it. And it was a big letdown for him. But it was the same as Wesley. This was a huge letdown. Wesley was having the best year of his career in MX and it all came to a grinding halt over a spark plug table. And you know Jacob's, you know, work for four months, riding five, six days a week and training seven days a week to make it happen. And that's the big thing about national motocross is that if you want to be in the top of your game, you're working seven days a week for it. And very, it's it's a it's a brutal, hard, poor job that they just love to do, you know. And they live for it. They they live for that adrenaline rush. They, you know, like Jacob up in Taft was uh, Felton, the videographer from Moto Effects. He was he was standing at the top of that big booter that right there in the center. And Jacob just had the bike sideways, almost upside down, going up that thing. And he was just standing there. Every time Jacob would come around a lap, but that's 
that's their fun. That's what they're doing for fun. But yeah, it was. It, that's the that's the MX mentality. I mean, the works guys they work they work out, but I don't know if they're. I wouldn't say that they're not dedicated to working out. I just don't. It's a different type of working out. You know, where Jacob now will cycle for an hour and a half. They'll go run for five or six miles, you know, four or five days a week. Uh, it's a different type of training. And, uh, but the MX, it's just straight up. I mean, there was, they, they train at where their heart rates are at 190 beats per minute. And they'll do that for 40 minutes straight. And that's how they train. And, and that's, now Jacob's training for like 160, 165. And it's, he goes, it's, a, it's actually gotten to the point where he's coming off the track now. And I love it. He's like, his hands aren't bleeding anymore. When you were there for those days, yep. you know, and, uh, he, he came off Taft, even though he had the chain break, which we'll get to. Um, I'm not even tired. And I'm, I was like, well, I guess we're doing something right. You know, at least that, that part's right. You know, now we just need to get out the whole program together, you know, and that's been a yo-yo ride of yo-yo rides, but his best finish is a fourth. You know, I can't complain considering this is a pretty much a huge 180 in what he's got. So it's kind of a culture shock thing. You know, you step into a different arena, totally different players, totally different styles, and very few people can just make that ad- adaptation and, and dominate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and and his his expectations were never going to he his goals were for the first season. His goal is actually for the like the tail end of last season was really just to learn and just finish. And he did learn. He learned a lot. He learned how to blow clutches. I know that. He was good at that. <laughs> and uh he uh he learned that his hands are really soft. <laughs> and, you know, and uh even though that they weren't, but they were way soft for those, you know, but Mystique really tore him up really bad. Um, but he was able to finish fourth. He, he got to run second behind Bo. He realized that Bo at 42 years old is still a badass on a quad and has the utmost respect for him. Um, and he's, he's there. It's just, like this, we, he, he had the speed, you know, and everybody knew it. That, I mean, Taft, you, you've been there. It's a giant motocross track with a, with a, with a, basically a six mile extension or six or five and a half mile extension. And, uh, it's super fast. It's a horsepower track for sure with all those hills. But his biggest thing, his hang-up right now is the obstacles. It's the logs, the tires, whatever, whatever they throw at him. You know, the rocks, going through the rock beds and stuff. Those are definitely slowing him down because he's just not 
were Travis and Bo and Roberto and Kenny uh, Sanford, Braxton Growth, all those kids, uh, guys, and man, I shouldn't call them all kids. I mean, Braxton's a kid, but uh, they're they're better at it than he is. He's just not used to it. I mean, and they still struggle over it. You know, everybody thinks all you're doing is going over a telephone pole. Well, do that at 30 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of a different setup. You know, where Travis goes, Travis Damon was over six telephone poles like in three and a half seconds. And Jacob's like, no, I can't do that. You know, and it's, it's definitely a learning experience, you know. So Las Vegas is going to be really interesting because I hear it's a lot of telephone poles. It's tires, it's rocks, it's like a, it's Supermoto meets Enduro Cross meets MX meets whatever, you know, and it's definitely going to be an interesting event. Thank God it's only 45 minutes. So that's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it, it, they, most of the track is fun right. and it's competitive. And I think they'll have, if they lay it out like they have in the years past, they'll have a great race. Um, and it'll be competitive and it'll be tight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and even like Doug Rowe and I mean, everybody, honestly, everybody since we've come out here has just been phenomenal. Doug Rowe is there every round, you know, and, uh, he's all, he's just loves what he's seeing with Jacob's bike. I mean, it's always nice to have the best one of the best or the, as far as I'm concerned, the best suspension guy in the in the country, working on your kid's bike, um, and at least this is the setup of the suspension and stuff. And um, plus, he 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 even said he goes, you know, Vegas is definitely plays into Jacob's wheelhouse better because the Yamaha handles so much better. Um, it turns a bit nicer. You know, and I, I could set those shocks up to be able to turn on pavement and do it a little bit better. So we're going to do some adjusting and hopefully it works out, you know, and we'll see. I mean, I just, he's, his goal is honestly is just to get on the podium at this point. He doesn't, he wants, everybody wants to win, but his expectations aren't to win. His, his expectations are just to, get his speed and get be able to learn the obstacles and get there. And I think it's, you know, good expectations for a first season out here. Uh, and then maybe next year we can chase that championship a little bit better. You know, I mean, we're going to change some things and uh, in the off season or in the, I don't know, I, I basically consider work starting in September and ending in, in May because that's kind of how it plays out because I've never had three months in the summer off of racing. So, I mean, we only have two more races and we're off till September. And I'm like, wow, this is like three and a half months off. You know, this is kind of like an off season for MX. We would get done in August and Jacob would leave in January and start going to, he'd either go to Texas or Oklahoma or Florida to start training for MX and it would go from January to August and then we'd be off and we wouldn't, he wouldn't go near the quad. We wouldn't even look at it for two or three months, you know? So that's just the way we did it. And 
Now it's the opposite. Now we have the summer off. So now my wife and I are going to go to Alaska and get out of the heat of Arizona in July. <laughs> so, That's funny. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think they should race during the summer. And if they planned it better, where they would, their locations um, to, to, to control the heat a little, uh, I think that it would be better. I mean, start it in February, you know, and end yeah. it in, in October. Right. And give it a, a couple months because, you know, they, they ended last year in November and then they started in January and you had six weeks. Right. This time, I think, well, the way the the schedule works out is we're going to actually have like two and a half months this time in between the season and next season because it ends like right in the beginning of November. I think it's like the 4th or the 6th of November. I can't I don't have the schedule in front of me. Um, but I know it's right in the beginning of November. But I think a lot of it has to deal with and I'm just speculating. I'm not even, I've never been told this or whatever, but I think it might have to do with Randy's business. You know, I mean, Randy has, you know, he still has his his business that he runs. And this is, you know, the winter time, I guess, could probably be a slower time of the year, you know, and maybe the summer it's just crazy for, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm speculating, but I I remember work, racing for works so that we'd be done in June. And we would take July off and July and August off, or maybe July and most of August off. But I think that's when Sean ran it, you know. Um, but I remember racing at Glen Helen for Quad X, like the middle of July. And to be perfectly honest with you, that, that was miserable. That that was just miserable, you know. And I mean, I never. I he he wore pads, you know, and from the heat, you know, because you're just there's no air. I mean, there's no airflow. It's it's 120 degrees outside. He, he's drenched to the bone from sweating, and that motor is probably you know I. I never lasered it, which I should have, but it was probably way above what it should have been because I remember he had a he had a uh, few heads that had to be decked a few times, you know, from from that from the heat, you know. But I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see, you know, that would be summertime out here. I remember coaching football when I lived out here, and we had football practice at night. We raced at night. That we. we Speed World was all night racing. I don't know, California, do they have many light lit tracks? No, not yeah, anymore. Speed World, Speed World was awesome, and we would just go out there, and he would practice. God, he would practice for hours and hours and hours, but we would be doing it at 10 o'clock at night, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock. I mean, they would rate and practice all night long, and then they would close all day, you know, and uh, the kids had literally slept a different world. They 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 were practiced and raced all night, and then they slept all day, you know, and it was just different, but that was Arizona world. And I don't know. I never raced really uh, other than Glen Helen and Quad or Yamaha Quad X. Works. I, I don't know how works would work out at 120 degrees. I think that would be a pretty, uh, it'd be rough. 
rough. <laughs> well, I mean, you were with uh, Eichner, didn't he race in the heat? Oh, yeah, we raced at Havasu. It was, you know, above 115. We raced at Glen Helen when it was 112. Right. You know, and, and the, the biggest thing with some of that is, is you just cooling the rider down at the end. Oh, yeah. Was, was a huge issue. You know, you, you have your cooler there and you get the head cooled down and then the body will, will come back. And, yeah. uh, that's what Doug, I mean, that's what we had with Doug is, is he just had to he'd get his head cool and then he would, he, his body would start to. Yeah, all these guys, and, and I guarantee you, they probably weren't where they thought they didn't. Even, I know they didn't have them. I mean, if they did, it was it was definitely a makeshift uh, camel pack, you know. I mean, those kind of things became more of a thing in the last ten years than they did, know, you know, twenty years. We had we had camelbacks, dug oh, water, yeah, yeah, and um, but I would also remember some of the hot races. Doug wouldn't drink. Yeah. Jacob, did, I mean, he wore one this last round. He only puts a couple of bottles of water in it. Um, but he uh, doesn't like to drink. He can't. You know what his biggest problem is? He's breathing out so much he can't suck. He can't suck the water in. Because that's, I never thought that would be hard. But he's he's riding and he's breathing so heavy, he's like, I literally have to hold my breath and suck to, to get any water out, and I have to pick a spot on the track where Havasu, there was zero. There was zero chance. You can't take a drink. Right. So, but a guy who actually, um, Paul and Travis, I, I mean, I know maybe Travis doesn't have one, but Paul introduced us to a guy that he was a cyclist. And he developed a hydro pack, but all you got to do is bite on the mouthpiece, and it shoots the water into your mouth. There's no sucking. It's it's all done with a pump, and it holds it for four seconds, and you can shoot the water into your mouth, and it holds, you know, like a, a liter and a half of water. And uh, so he's supposed to bring that to us in Vegas and it's it's just a fanny pack so that's going to be interesting because he actually even said he's like I want to give it to you guys in Vegas even though you won't use it, use it but you have to practice with it because you'll dump water all over yourself and never get any in your mouth if you're, you're not doing it right so we have to literally like pipe it through his helmet and all this stuff so we have to come in he has the eject systems in his helmet, so we got to figure all that stuff out. So uh, that's, that's going to be interesting. So be training how to drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to train to do everything, right? Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, that that Taft he 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 didn't drink much water other than he didn't, he doesn't drink that much water. He doesn't like we said he has trouble remembering to do it you know i mean they never had that you don't do that in mx you know you go out and you go all out and you you drink when you're done you know i mean and he's that's he's learned to hydrate you know i mean he's big into that he drinks a lot of pedialyte the week prior um he definitely hydrates big time uh, lots of bananas and things like that so He's well hydrated, so he's like, I can go an hour and a half and not really worry about it. 
<coughs> but uh, the uh, it's tough. It's a, it's a learning another learning experience. You know, it's all about learning. All about learning. Hey, Dave, I want to thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. Yeah. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, to oh, conversation. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a, it was a blast. I loved it. You know, it was a good time, and I'd I'd like to do it again. I mean, I like talking about. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at atvtalkpodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.